she gave me her login information. So I went into her Webkin's house and it was decked out. It was like so much cooler than mine. And there was this golden bathtub that was so cool. And I wrapped it up and I virtually mailed it to my <gasps> house in Webkin's. Oh my and I God. Took, <laughs> I took her Webkin's furniture that I liked and I mailed it Casey. to my own house. <laughs> What's the buzz, y'all? What's the buzz? What's the buzz? What is the buzz? What's the buzz? What's the buzz? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of What's the Buzz. I'm Carolina, and I'm here today with Jill and Casey. So how are we doing today, guys? Yeah, pretty good. 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 I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm doing well. Good. Um, yeah, Casey, you weren't here last week, but I just wanted to sort of see what your thoughts were on the U of I, like going back to school during Corona kind of thing that was announced last week. So I think something it's, I guess, kind of frivolous in light of the whole pandemic but something I was thinking about yesterday was we're going to be seeing masks become more of a fashion trend just yes. because we're required to wear them now um I think some designer brands maybe Gucci is gonna come out with some sort of mask and I think people will do more DIY masks kind of um that bleach dye trend so I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of masks are fashionable to wear during class yes I definitely think it's going to be a cool way to sort of express yourself you know sort of you know it's a piece of clothing I guess so to get flexed on yeah exactly so you're gonna (laughs) yeah I'll be walking with my like (laughs) yeah my like ten dollar mask and then somebody with their Gucci mask is gonna walk by and it's gonna just you know feel really great but um (laughs) I think I'm excited as well to see those and to see what everyone's masks are gonna go look like it's gonna be really interesting but um so moving on to our content for today in honor of Hamilton's release on Disney plus uh very soon today's song theme is gonna be our favorite musical songs um and I'm a big musical person so for me this is really hard to pick songs um but I'm really excited to hear all of your picks um so Today we'll be talking about the 4th of July and Juneteenth, Hamilton, of course, um, as well as some books that we read in high school that still sort of resonate with us today, and a lot more. So let's get started with our first topic. So there's no doubt about it that the summer always brings in some of the best holidays. Uh, We had Father's Day a week ago, uh, but just before that, Juneteenth. And for those who don't know what Juneteenth is, it's a holiday that celebrates the emancipation of slaves in the United States, and people have been celebrating it since 1866. The T is that it isn't registered as a national holiday yet, which is a little upsetting considering that 4th of July is only a few weeks after that. Personally, I think that it is long overdue, and... um, Uh, For some reason, it's only like a state holiday and it was only made that in like 1980s. So I was just wondering what you guys kind of make of this. Like, should it become a national holiday? I think so. I I definitely agree with you there, um, Jill. And I've sort of been seeing that on social media too. Like a lot of people um, pushing for this to, you know, be registered um, as a national holiday. I think it's really important in history and especially um, with everything going on right now with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and um, just given sort of also what we've talked about in our podcast, like I think it's this is the best time to do that 
and it's important to acknowledge that day because um, it's really important. But absolutely, um, I think a lot of people. It's a little bit upsetting that a lot of people hadn't even heard about Juneteenth until this year. Um, now that it's gaining some more media coverage, I saw news stories about Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Um, some resources to learn about it. Um, I think it's good that people are becoming more aware of it, but it definitely needs to take that step further to becoming a national holiday. Um, Something that's going to feel different this year is the 4th of July, just because there's so much unrest right now in our nation that I think a lot of people are going to put the celebration, the patriotic celebration on hold, I think. I agree. I think so, too. I think, you know, there was sort of a lot of tension there. And I mean, a lot of people aren't, well, just like proud to like be American right now. And yeah, yeah, just a lot of, I mean, with police brutality that's going on and innocent black people are dying, like that's not, that's not something that I feel like a lot of, like I want to celebrate, like that's sort of, I feel like there's some, we should be doing something else. Um, just because that's happening right now. Like, I don't know. It, it's weird to th- usually 4th of July is like fun partying, you know, um, like an excuse to like have a big party, but I just don't feel like that's really appropriate yeah, and right now. The American, the American flag is something that has such a different meaning right now. And I agree. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, no, yeah. People have American flags in front of their homes. Um, because it's almost like I don't I don't want to fly this until I'm happy with my country. For sure. No, that makes it, it does that, yeah. sense. Yeah, and the problem is like when will we like ever be happy with this right. country? Because like this has been happening since like since its establishment. Honestly. And even probably like before its establishment too, you know? Right. And like Casey, how you were saying, like no one's heard about Juneteenth until this year. And I think there should be like I never learned about that in high school or grade school or any education I don't think Um, I don't remember talking about that and I mean wasn't the whole idea about it is that um, there were slaves who didn't know they were freed right until two years after Um, and that sort of celebrates when everyone was like actually free Um, I did not know that was a thing Um, and I like I didn't learn it in school but, you know, I learned all about the Founding Fathers and 4th of July. So I think there's that sort of lack of education there, too, where mm-hmm. I think if more people knew about it, then more people would, like, want to make it a holiday and understand why it's so important. But I think that's just, like, another issue with it. I, too, didn't really know, like, what Juneteenth was until a couple of years ago. And um, I actually learned... I, I don't know if you guys have seen this... Uh, this show but it's a show called Atlanta um it was created by Childish Gambino and there's one episode where um the main characters go to this Juneteenth themed party and I was just like I don't know what this is and I had to look it up and I was like wow like how could I not have known like this was a holiday you know right no yeah um, in reality like African-American history is just American history it literally is it shouldn't like there should be the proper like education for it so i feel like growing up is kind of realizing that the 4th of july isn't 
everything that you thought it was. 100%. Okay. You know. <laughs> so it's personally, the so the 4th of July is actually my birthday. Oh, well, oh happy God. early birthday. Thank what the you. heck? We should be celebrating that. Yeah. When I when I was growing up, it was this magical day, you know. Yeah. All these fireworks. Right. Parades, everyone celebrating. Yeah. And now I'm kind of starting to realize, okay, well, there's a lot of things that need to change. So, you know, it's really strange in a way how kind of we are kind of spoon fed this patriotic Absolutely. image. Like eat like having a barbecue, eating on red, white, and blue plates, like all the streamers, having a parade. Um, so I think this year I'm gonna kind of tone it down a bit, and I, I'm gonna be I so too. I, yeah, I'm gonna be celebrating on um, the third of July instead, and I'm just gonna yeah. have a dinner with some friends. Yeah, that's so it'll so much still fun. be a great day. Cool. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. I, I agree. I think it, it is definitely. It feels different. Like I was at. Um, like the drive-in movie yesterday and they played the national anthem like before and they had like a flat like a picture of the American flag on the screen and it felt very different like the energy sort of you know yeah. um, so it's just stuff like that where I mean I'm, I remember we all went this is funny we all went to the same high school and we would you know do the pledge every morning and like mm-hmm. in college Everywhere. yeah Everywhere. in college you don't do that and and I've sort I think that's sort of added to it where there feels like there's more of a disconnect sort of from that patriotic side partly because of what's happening right now but also just because like we're not like forced to like do the, the pledge every morning mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting but yeah. yeah I just feel like the way that we grew up in America was blindly patriotic 100% you can still you can still recognize that there are good things about the country but I just feel like we didn't see the not so pretty side of it. I agree, and we weren't we weren't taught that either. The Fourth of July was a big part of that. A hundred percent, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, like before, like all this like started happening. Um, were there any like favorite Fourth of July activities you guys like used to do, um, or like any food that you used to eat? Ooh, yeah. So I would go to the fire. Usually, I think we went on the third. Actually. Um, but, uh, we'd go to, like, this, like, high school by my house that, like, does the fireworks and there, there's a nice little grass area where you can, like, put lawn chairs and stuff like that and bring food and all that. So, I would do that with my family pretty much every year. I don't actually know if they're doing that. Um, but also my neighborhood just does fireworks, so honestly, you could probably just sit outside and I would see them as well. Um, but we never really did a big, big party or anything. I didn't really go anywhere besides besides that. It was never um, really that big of a thing, but that's sort of what we did for a tradition. So every year, um, my mom and I go visit my uncle in Arizona, and um, we rent an RV, and we go up to like uh, this national park. I don't know if it's a national park, but um, it's called Parker, Arizona, and we'll camp out there for a few days. So. Um, I think we're still going to do it this year, but again, like we're kind of going to tone it down, like with the fireworks and, um, just the other festivities, just because there's a lot going on in our country right now and it would be a little inappropriate. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, would you celebrate your birthday then and just like have the whole thing? That's so fun. Um, always fireworks. Um, so the reason I have a little story and then we can move on to the next subject. So, I think this is a good way to end it. 
So the reason I was born on the 4th of July, um, I was actually supposed to be born on the 13th of July. Really? And it was the afternoon and my mother was just laying in bed. And so my parents lived in this little two flat in Roscoe Village. So they were having a bunch of neighbors and family over and they were setting off fireworks. And my mom was starting to get really annoyed because she's pregnant and she's trying to sleep. And they actually set the neighbor's garage on fire. Oh my God. With the fireworks by accident. And she pokes her head out the window, starts yelling, gets so mad that she went into labor. Oh my gosh, really? (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's so (laughs) funny. Every year I'm told that story, but. Different oh person. my gosh! Of course, that's <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, yeah, what did it, what is it? What's such a good story for your for your birth? Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Well, for those celebrating Fourth of July, I hope that everyone enjoys in a relaxing and exciting day. Um, but just remember the history behind it, and um, just be aware before you do things. Um, but like also, um, I think everyone should like use like a little break, um, despite all the things that have been happening in the past few months. Um, so going to our theme of musical songs, um, I chose three that really resonated to me. Uh, the first one is Tonight from West Side Story. Uh, they sing this, uh, I, I don't know if uh, you guys have seen it, it's pretty much like a, a modern day telling of like Romeo and Juliet. And uh, the song is sung before like this giant rumble between like two gangs. And I just think it's really epic because like each person in the musical has like their own part and it just like comes together and it's like, it's just insanely good. And I've always loved it. Um, The second song I chose was Charades. Um, The song is from Grease 2. This is a little bit of a hot take, but I think Grease 2 is better than Grease. Um, The storyline is just better. Um, though the songs are kind of forgettable. I don't know. Um, And then the last one I picked was Any Dream Will Do from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, It's just a really fun song, and I've always loved Donny Osmond's voice. Um, And yeah, it it was also a a song that, um, from a musical, we did in, like, my eighth grade, so... um, very, very memorable experience. I love those picks, Jill. Um, yeah, moving on to more musical-related uh, things. So you may or may not know, but the famous Broadway musical Hamilton is going to be released on Disney Plus on July 3rd. So that's just a couple of days, and I, for one, am very excited. Um, the release was actually scheduled for October 2021, but because of COVID and sort of everything it's coming out 15 months ahead of the original release date um so if you don't know hamilton is a rap slash like hip-hop musical written by lin-manuel miranda and it's about alexander who was of course one of the founding fathers of the united states um so what are your guys's reaction to the sort of the rescheduled date and like coming out so much earlier than it was supposed to I think it's really interesting because I feel like there's a lot of editing that has to like go into like making or like producing a musical like that. Um, I actually saw it when it was um, in Chicago 
Um, but I feel like there would be like different like camera angles they would want to use. And I think it's crazy that they're coming out with it like 15 months ahead of schedule. Right. I'm like wondering if they had it all done and we're just like literally waiting till next year or if, I don't know, they Maybe rushed or had like, to edit stuff. I don't know. They probably got bored or something. You're just like, yeah. oh, like honestly, we, we got to do something. So might yeah. as well put it out there, you yeah. know? Right. I'm a bit confused because I would think if anything, the pandemic would have delayed it. Right. So that just makes me think that um, they already had it and they were going to have the whole year to just do PR and advertisements because right, right. I think that's how most shows oh, I, I don't know I don't really know yeah no I agree I think that's definitely a part of it um, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that it's like on Disney plus too um, I actually like Lynn Lynn Manuel Miranda was actually tweeting and was like it has a PG-13 rating even though it like they swear like several times throughout the I think like three times they use like the F word in the musical and I think there's only one of them in the um like actually in the final cut so that they can make it PG-13 um so that like I guess more kids can watch it and stuff um so I think that's really interesting too I don't really know much about it so is it they're on a stage and they record it yeah it's literally yeah they literally just mm -hmm. from it's literally Ooh. just on Broadway and they had cameras and the whole original cast is doing it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's basically as if you were watching the show, but like in HD and like, you know, all these camera angles and stuff. Okay. Um, so that seems to me just on a first glance, mm-hmm. that seems kind of dangerous to me for the <laughs> theater industry. Yeah. Because think about if you're going to go see Hamilton, how much are those tickets? They're pretty. They're a lot. They're yeah. expensive, right? They're like a hundred. Oh, yeah, a hundred or, or more. Than, definitely. For your Disney Plus membership, you're not right. There's no way that they're getting paid that amount. I don't think. I mean, Disney Plus is a huge platform, so I can't say for sure. But so, for example, I so I wait tables over the summer, and mm-hmm. I work with um, a man who's an actor, and he's a stage actor. And they're all struggling so much right now because all the theaters are closed. So I think, I don't know if I want to see this become a thing. I know that it's a special circumstance. Right. But live theater streaming from your TV, I think that's going to kill the theater industry. Yeah, I think, well, with this, it's... it's, At least hurt it. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of like shows plan on doing this um, right no i no, think it's like one, the only show that's literally speci- done this it. is a special yeah of course but i just hope that people don't get lazy and just want to watch it from their home yeah you know what and, I mean? yeah and i mean it's definitely it's a different experience like actually like being in the theater too. it is honestly like even if i were to like watch it I'd still rather see it in person I think mm-hmm. and like it's great that we can watch it and have it just there um but I also think um like people would prefer to see it in person too especially like the big theater people who like are really into it would definitely rather see it in the theater but um I don't know it, it is interesting and like um, 
I, I agree with you, Casey. It could definitely be dangerous if like all these shows started doing it. Um, but I would hope that people would still like want to go see the actual show, or maybe would see the movie, the you know the TV version or whatever, and be like, oh, this looks really cool. I want to see it in person or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think they will though. Like once COVID kind of dies down. Yeah, I agree. And like this is also the original cast, and no one you can't like see them anymore so like it, it's cool to see like with like other actors as well and see like how it differs and all that um mm-hmm. but but yeah jill you said you saw the musical right in chicago i did yeah so did um, I. what'd you think you know i don't want to badmouth hamilton no don't like, go ahead do yeah it, be honest it wasn't my favorite musical like okay. i've seen um i just like I don't know what it was. Uh, I, I guess I'm not like a historical person, gotcha. so like I just didn't really like the the storyline. Even though I, I I know it was like based off of like a, a real guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Alexander Hamilton. I, right. I should do that. Um, but you know, it, it's a good one. But I wouldn't say it's my favorite one. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, my favorite either. Um, I was that like the first did you hear the music before at all or was that sort of your first time at all hearing or seeing any of it my cousin and like my friends played the soundtrack all the time okay interesting in the car like before i saw it and i was like eh, okay you know (laughs) i think it's definitely like not for everyone i actually listened to it once the whole like soundtrack and i did not like it at all and then i listened to it again and i did like it so it was very weird like my taste just kind of randomly changed um, like, I, did you just, like research before? No, like, not and really. Then it changed you just listened no, to it. I just listened to it again. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm not like huge on history, so I didn't like re- really know anything about it or whatever. Um, but I, I ended up pretty like liking it. And I think it was, I just like seeing things live too. So I really like any show I see. Um, but. But yeah, so are you guys like planning on watching it all on Friday? Or yeah, on Friday, that's when it comes out. Um, I think maybe if I can get Disney Plus like beforehand, because I still Okay, I got you. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can I, I can lend you my my oh. info chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably listen to the soundtrack. I mean Yeah. I think the thing that I think something that contributed a lot to the first Hamilton its success was definitely the soundtrack and how people thought it was a bit innovative for a Broadway show because it kind of had some jazz some different genres blended in right um so yeah I think I'll listen to the soundtrack so I'm excited yeah definitely I think also something that I just think is incredible is the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda literally like did the whole like music like story everything like pretty much on his own like he had help with like I think the final version but like it took him I think like six years to do that musical and like hearing him talking about it is really cool so I think that's something too is like I really have enjoyed watching interviews of like about him sort of talking about the process and like where he got the idea for everything and um, that's been something that's been really interesting too and the fact that he's like so intrigued with Hamilton's life and something that he said that I think is so interesting is he was like well to me it was obvious that this was going to be a rap musical like there was no like Hamilton was a huge writer and like would 
be writing all the time and he was like it just was obvious like that's what it was going to be and everyone who sort of hears that is like I don't like it wasn't obvious to like that's not really something that when you think Alexander Hamilton you think rap hip-hop musical right. <laughs> so that's something that's really cool too is hearing his his um process there um I don't know if you guys have seen on TikTok, but like a lot of musical theater songs have sort of made their way into TikTok as sounds. And I'm curious like what your guys' thoughts are on sort of the musical theater side mixing with like mainstream media almost. Like what do you guys think? Because I know I think some they've used some like Hamilton songs, but I know they've used a lot of like other musical songs too. And I, I think it's like interesting that you have like that musical side sort of mixing with the, I guess, regular side of TikTok. But I don't know, have, have you guys seen any TikToks with like musical sounds in it? Yeah, I've seen um, the one sound with um, the opening song from Heathers. Yes. Um, I think I think it's a good way for those musicals to kind of get more exposure. Right. Maybe someone thinks, oh, this this little snippet of this song sounds cool and they go and check it out and they end up really liking it so I definitely think that it's a positive thing yeah I think it's cool and I think a lot of people don't even realize they're from musicals and then all of a sudden you're like oh wow this is good so I think it's cool personally I haven't heard like any like musical sound bits but Mm -hmm. I feel like when people like post their like musical highlights like whenever they act yeah um, I think that like sometimes it could be comical other times it could be like a showcase of like their like singing skills and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just really cool and like unique that TikTok can be used for like all platforms and like all interests. Yeah, I agree. I think that's so cool. I love seeing the musical theater people on TikTok. They're really entertaining. Um, but yeah, so the Hamilton like recorded uh, show comes out on July third. Um, I'll probably be watching and maybe singing along too. Um, but going with our music theme, which is musicals, um, my first favorite, I have many favorites and they change all the time. So this is sort of just like right now what my favorites are. Um, this is, my first one is Being Alive from Company, um, which is Steven Sondheim. And that, I don't know if you guys saw Marriage Story, but the song Adam Driver sings in like the bar, uh, that's yes. that song. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really good scene. I really like that scene. I just love Adam Driver and um that's I love that song and it's really really good. So, love that song. The second one is I Could Have Danced All Night from My Fair Lady. Um but the Julie Andrews version, not the Audrey Hepburn. Um but yeah, that that song's really good too. It's really fun. Um and then last one is The Sound of Music from The Sound of Music, which is also Julie Andrews. So, maybe I just like her, but um that's another one it's more like a childhood song as well so it's something that i have always loved in this those are my top three favorite musical songs at the moment um so yeah let's move into our next topic high school english class was really important to me at my uber competitive high school i struggled to find footing in math and the sciences so at the time i was 16 or 17 I felt those very famous pangs of teen angst and loneliness that propelled me forth into the literary universe. Because of this, I found myself particularly attached to the readings, novels, and poems from high school English class, and I think that other people can relate to me. So one poem that we read 
in my sophomore year English class. It was called Chicago High School Love Letters. Um, it was by a poet by Nate Marshall. Um, he's from the south side of Chicago, and I've actually been following him, um, following his work ever since we read this. Um, so basically, this poem was the story of your classic high school couple. You know, they're going to homecoming together, trading letterman jackets, riding the train, going to prom. But each, what makes this poem different is each stanza begins with the number, and it's the number of gun violence deaths in the city at that point in the year. So that was something that just moved me a lot. Um, and then towards the end, it kind of blended in with the story. I, I won't give anything away, but it's a very powerful poem, and I will always remember reading it. Um, so another time where I literally was sitting in the back of the classroom, like almost in tears, um, was when I took a British literature class and we read to his coy mistress. Um, and the line, the ending line that I really liked goes, through the iron gates of life, thus though we cannot make our son stand still, yet we will make him run. So yeah, I just think my high school English classes were super formative for me. Um, and I just want to discuss with you guys some of your favorite readings from high school. Um, was there anything like I had that stuck out to you particularly? Yeah, I think, well, I loved pretty much all of my English classes, I think, in high school. And I think they really shaped sort of my literary experience. And a lot of them sort of got me into writing. Um, and there were some really good readings I think I took um well first of all something that I thought was really awesome was my sophomore year we read Wizard of Oz um which is I mean it was like one of the easiest books to read and it's like one of my favorite stories and movies so I just thought that was really cool that we were able to read that in high school um another book that uh I read in AP Lit was Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison and um I just remember being so like blown away by that book and the way my teacher taught it um, is, it, it, I just like will always remember it and I can't remember everything that happened in the book but I just remember being like really inspired by it and um, it's about like, like the African American experience and uh, deals with issues of individuality and like personal identity. Um, and I just, I just thought it was really interesting. And I was sort of, I remember like at the end of my seat every single time we read it because it was so good. Um, we also read, I read a couple Toni Morrison books in high school and um, we read Song of Solomon also in the same class. And I remember really liking that one too and having really good discussions with my classmates about them. And that's sort of another story that has like really resonated with me as well. Yeah, uh, going off of what you said uh, with the African-American experience, I really liked uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought it was a really uh, beautiful book about, like, the experiences of being, like, an African-American woman, like, during that time period. I'm going to say, like, the 1930s, but I'm not really sure. Um, I, I just really love the imagery in that book, uh, too. Um, another kind of book that I really liked was Frankenstein, um, just because, uh, it was like, our teacher was talking about, um, 
and teaching us about the transcendentalist movement and like romanticism and stuff and that was like one of the the books that really stood out yeah i i also love frankenstein Frankenstein. it was so good yeah we learned about mary shelley too a lot and Mm -hmm. i just remember growing this like weird attachment to her yeah i think how she was like super young when she wrote it and she had like a super interesting life yeah 100 percent. yeah i think also with that story um that was when i did like i think at the end of the year we did like a final project or whatever and i remember just really enjoying doing that project and um it was based on Frankenstein and I had, I incorporated like music into it. So it was really fun to do and to present. And I just had a great experience reading it. And yeah, the way like our teacher taught it, um, he really like tried to humanize like the creature and we didn't call him a monster. Um, I remember that's something that he was stressed the whole time was like, no, we're not calling it a monster and sort of talked about like, what actually is it? And we had a lot of sort of deep conversations about that. And I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, you've heard sort of like about Frankenstein and the sort of the Halloween horror part of it, you know, where they sort of change it. Um, and so I didn't really know about the actual story. And so it was really cool to actually read a, read the story that all that is based on and have these talks about it. A lot of humanity in that book, I think. That was such Definitely. a good Definitely. Yeah, it was really um, good. I loved Gatsby. Did you guys read Gatsby? Oh, for sure, yeah. That's Definitely. so basic of me. Yeah, no, but... Gatsby was great. <laughs> I love Gatsby. Oh my god. I remember, I remember I would, um, right at the beginning of the year, so it was when the weather was still nice, I would sit out in my front, uh, my front porch, drink an iced tea and read Gatsby. And like, I yes. loved it. Um, oh, no, Gatsby's great. Oh my god, it's just so romantic. Yes. Um, what did you guys think about uh, Catcher in the Rye? Did you read that one? I remember I reading it, but like, I don't remember it that much. I think I kind of liked it. I don't think I loved it, but I, I think, loved it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I think the reason that they teach Catcher in the Rye in high schools is because Holden Caulfield is such an angsty that's true i did like him i liked him as a character i just like don't i don't remember it as much he was kind of problematic (laughs) yeah i remember him being kind of yeah yeah. he was a huge he snuck out once right yeah i don't god i just i just remember though he would go on these like long streams of consciousness that i thought were really pretty (laughs) no that's true he was a good character he was a great character um Huckleberry Finn, I can't really remember that much of. Um, I remember drawing a map of the <laughs> yeah. river. I don't <laughs> of a river. Same, same. But that I one didn't. I don't remember it as much either. Which I can. I wish I did. Um, there are like several books that I would like like to reread, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of notes in them from like just annotating in class. So I sort of want to go through them and see like what I was thinking when I read them and sort of compare that to how I interpret them now because there are so yeah, many good books. Cool. We, yeah, there are so many good books. And I mean, I don't I it was really a, a privilege to have it taught by, you know, English teachers. Um, so I, I'd like to read it on my own and see like what what I think of it sort of without that guidance from the teachers. 
Yeah, and I feel like since those years ago, there's a lot of stuff that probably flew over our heads. Definitely. Even as we've grown yeah, five I, years, I, I don't agree. know. Yo, I agree. Um, did you read The Crucible? Yeah. I actually... Yeah, oh my I god. I, I don't think <laughs> I read it. So I, I read that it. book for the play. Oh, did you? We had to get in like a circle and stuff. And, oh like, my gosh, out. really? Yeah. That's so funny. No, I never, I actually didn't read it. I think we watched the movie with Winona Ryder in it. Right. And, and uh, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis. I yeah, think. yeah. I think that. And I, yeah, I don't think we actually read it though. And I remember I was actually absent the second day we watched the rest of the movie and then we had like a quiz on it and I did really badly because oh, and I wasn't there. I don't think this is not fair. Um, it was kind of confusing, but I thought it was interesting to watch. Yeah. I read the play like in the eighth grade and then I read it in American uh, literature in like my sophomore year of high school. And I just remember like they compared the like the witch trials to like the Red Scare uh, when people were like scared that right. like everyone in America was like a communist or something, so they just made that like analogy because the the play was made like during that time as well, and it was supposed to be an analogy for that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was very but, weird. <laughs> I liked reading um, Macbeth too. Oh my gosh, Macbeth! That was so fun. It was really hard to get through. So hard when you're first starting Shakespeare. It's really difficult. But after you start to get the hang right. of it, you're like, oh my god, this is so good. I yeah. Love it. And when you kind of dissect the jokes, you're oh like, my oh, gosh. he was kind of funny. You're, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's why I loved having a really good teacher teach that to me because, like, yeah, being able to really draw out all the things that I totally would have not gotten by reading it on my own. And, you know, Shakespeare is hard. Um, and yeah, that was, I loved reading that. And we also acted that out and it was really funny sometimes. So um, we acted <laughs> it out, but we had to, so our final project of the year, it was, we ended up, we ended the class with Macbeth. So we had to do a Macbeth skit, but put a twist on it. Oh and God. I remember we were trying to decide, okay, what can we do? We did Celebrity Macbeth. Yes. <laughs> and I was Lady Macbeth and I was Kim Kardashian. Oh my gosh. Macbeth was Kanye West and we did it with all like Kanye West lyrics. <gasps> oh, oh my beautiful. gosh, that's so and it creative. Was really cool. Yeah, I loved it. Oh my gosh. Did any of you guys read Inferno? Uh no, actually. I didn't I think it was the is first that the thing one I read about, in AP Lit. Like the seven layers. Yes, of but is yes yeah, Dante, Dante's Inferno, and okay. oh my gosh, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever read in my entire life because it's translated first of all, I think. So, and it's it's the biggest book ever. It's so thick, and I had to carry it in my backpack like every day, and it was really hard. Like luckily, my teacher is insanely smart and really good, like at Italian, and was able to like teach it to us really well but I still was not that into it mainly because it was just so hard to read and we did like these questions for it that were really like difficult and maybe that was just because I didn't want to think so much about it because it was so hard but I just remember that being such a hard thing to read and I was really happy when we were done reading it to be honest <laughs> um but yeah I don't know 
I, I guess like the hardest book that we had to read. I, it's not really like it was the epic of um, Beowulf. Oh my gosh! Stop. Grendel. That? that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Grendel. 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 <laughs> Honestly, that was so funny. Yeah. It was a hard like thing to read, but it was also like so thrilling and like exciting and stuff. And it's like, oh my god, I don't want to put this down. That's you know? true, actually. That's like the that's when they you know taught the hero's journey thing, and then like yeah, you compare it to like modern day things like Harry Potter and like Star Wars, where it's like a same thing, you know. Um, I thought yeah, Beowulf was crazy. Did you guys have to recite the Canterbury Tales in Middle English? Yes. Oh my yes. god. The, the first 18 lines. Stop. That's a bane of my existence. You guys, wait. Do you guys like still remember? I know. It? I know a lot of it still. I've like I've like said yeah, it. Yeah. I've like said it to people, like, and they've been like, "What the heck are you doing?" And I've been like, "I don't know why <laughs> I know this still. Like, this is weird." But um, okay, try it. Try to do it right okay. now. Okay, it's wandered up Rio with his shortest sorte, the dropped of March out Paris to the Rote, then bothered every vein in Switzerland. Which virtue on Jambret is the floor? Then it's like one Zephyrus Eck with a sweated breath and spirit off in every halt and head. The tender Cropus and the youngest son off in the rom, his halved corpse your own. And I think that's all I know. It's like one father's. Oh my god, I. Crap. It's I, really I hard. Well, it's not like I never did it right. Like the way I print, no one pronounced it like insanely good because you know you we're can't. all like we're all little you can't. high school yeah kids <laughs> really, but really. i remember when when he like our teacher like announced the assignment that we were gonna have to do that i was like i have like stage fright so like i remember thinking this is absolutely not like there is no way i'm doing this um and the thing was you can get like extra credit if you presented it in front of the whole class or you could present in front of him and get whatever. And I was like, well, I want the extra credit, but I don't want to do this in front of my classmates. Um, and I was just horrified doing that, but it, it was fine and whatever. And now I know that, I guess, so. It really says a lot about um, the great English teachers of the world that they were able to make these books that were at first unappealing to us such an important part of our lives and I think high school English teachers are the best because I think that they know that the things they teach us are going to stick with us throughout our lifetime so next up we're going to have Jill talk about something else that influenced us growing up but first I'm going to say my songs um so I picked number one the cell block tango from Chicago I love this song um it's just super funny, also empowering, even though it's about killing men. Um, <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's such a good song. I always get it stuck in my head. And then um, I picked Popular from Wicked because I loved Wicked as a little girl. Um, love that song. And then I picked Dead Girl Walking from Heathers because I really love Heathers. Iconic um, song. Yeah, so uh, take it away, Jill. A huge part of everyone's childhood experience is the toys they used to play with growing up. It's not uncommon for people to recall the name of their first teddy bear because it's so ingrained in their heads and possibly the reason why they are the way they are today. If you're a millennial, zoomer, or whichever you identify with, 
you're probably familiar with the toy debate of whether Webkins or Cub Penguin was better. Now, we're here to give you all the answers, but we decided to throw Neopets in the mix. So, what kind of kids were you? Like, did you play with Webkins, Club Penguin, or Neopets? Um, and what were the best or worst aspects of each one? Ooh, this really brings it back for me. Um, I was first a Club Penguin girl, and then I was also a Webkins girl, but I was always, it was always Club Penguin first. And I never really, I was never a Neopets kind of person, actually. It was always those Club Penguin and Webkins, and um, I think the part about Club Penguin was just there's something for me, even still, about creating your own little world and like being able to design every part of it, whether it be like your your house or your igloo, I guess, and being able to like make money and buy like clothes, and then you could play with your friends and just really create this like separate world where you're completely in control. And being younger, I was probably like eight or nine, maybe even younger, when I started on. Club Penguin, like you don't really get to do that. So, and it was a really easy way to just sort of just be immersed in this separate, like online kind of world and totally create everything and control everything going on. And I think they did a really good job of making everything easy, like to understand and to navigate, but also um, making it really unique, like adding different like events and days where they decorate the whole island so it would look a little different or like. You could adopt puffles, which are like not a thing uh, until you go to Club Penguin, like a literal made-up animal. So I think it really just took over and it just kept evolving. And like even now, they had like Club Penguin online that I was playing like literally last month, and then it like got taken down or something, which is really upsetting. Um, but they still have Club Penguin rewritten, which is like the older version, so you can technically still play, and it literally still appeals to me now. So. I think it's a little bit of the nostalgia behind it, but I just loved Club Penguin. I thought it was so easy to use and just like such a cool way to play with friends. God, don't you guys remember like on a Friday after school, you would go to a friend's house, you'd have maybe some mac and cheese, maybe <laughs> um, some dino nuggets if you're lucky, Ooh. and you would go to like their dad's like study or whatever where the computer is <laughs> you would share the big fluffy chair and take turns going on club penguin and that was like the social event literally like look that forward to it for. <laughs> yes literally my friend and i like coordinated we'd like be on the phone you know like the landline and just call each other while on Club Penguin and like coordinate throwing like igloo parties and I don't know that was just the peak of my childhood oh my god I just had this memory come up that I haven't thought about in so many years do you remember <laughs> the game Wizard 101 yes so I had a crush oh on this boy in like fourth grade maybe earlier and we had like a secret Wizard 101 like relationship where we would like meet at like the rainbow bridge in wizard 101 and, oh my like, gosh Casey. and i would like leave him notes like meet me at the rainbow bridge or something oh my gosh that's so <laughs> oh secretive i don't know how i just i just remember that now. i haven't thought about this in that's years. crazy <laughs> oh my gosh that's what it does i love that i literally love that so much what about you, Joe? What was your what was your online gaming platform of choice? I guess. 
also I really loved Webkins. Um, yeah. It was more of like a fascination that like I obtained from like my my cousins because they really liked it. Yeah. So I think I had like maybe thirty five of them, and um, the thing is like they're like really expensive. So I don't know why I like needed so many because like I there's sometimes where I would just like log in the game and like some some of my like animals would be neglected because like <laughs> I like, totally forgot about them so um I played that oh and also not like um like animal related but I used to love Pop Tropica oh yeah and like going to like the different islands and stuff I, I think that. my favorite one was like the the ancient like Greek island where there are like a whole bunch of like different gods and stuff and you had to like battle Zeus at the end. Such a such a fun game, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's... that one was cute. Yeah, I remember that too. I think Webkins was. I remember my parents being really upset with me because I always, not upset, but like annoyed because I'd always like force them to get me a Webkins, you know. And they were like, "You have like so many," but I was like, "No, I need more because you know you get all the stuff." on webkins when you get a new one and like you can like build your little house of webkins and it's really just crazy how i was like obsessed with them i think like, yeah collecting we were such them. greedy little children we were i was like i just want this stuffed animal so i can play and control it online please like but honestly like i think all kids are greedy until we kind of grow up and i think we're just, so like, too calm down but then did just you have pretend we're not right. <laughs> I'm just kidding right, right. <laughs> so um, did you guys like have like a like a favorite virtual pet like from oh any God. of these platforms so like i remember my first two like i had this like level this this yellow lab called hero and i also got this like snake and i <laughs> named it Venom after like venom wow. thinking that was like, that's so cute on my creative name that is so, that turned out to be like my username to like log into the game um and um yeah those are probably my favorite ones because they're the oh first gosh. ones but I, what about you guys i feel bad and like i'm betraying my webkins because i literally can't remember the names like i know i had the my first one and it was like my favorite and then i had my little favorites and i feel really bad that i can't remember but you know i always had you know my little favorite pets and like same with my puffles on local penguin um I, I had Puffles who were like my favorite and I'd always, I named them really dumb things like Bubbles or something. Um, my first penguin yeah. was named Flacca Loca. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I still remember. But every time I think about Webkins, I just feel this immense guilt and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So like Jill was saying, if you go away from Webkins for... I think it's a week or so they get really sick or like they they're not you're not taking care of them um and it like gives you a warning or whatever so my best friend in second or third grade she was going on vacation and she said okay I need you to take care of my webkins house and I said okay definitely so she gave me her login information so I went into her Webkin's house and it was decked out. It was like so much cooler than mine. And there was this golden bathtub that was so cool. And I wrapped it up and I virtually mailed it to my <gasps> house in Webkin's. Oh my and God. I took, 
I took her Webkin's furniture that I liked and I mailed it Casey. to my own house. <laughs> you I stole didn't even know it. That was the thing you could do. I'm like still so guilty. About Did she find it. out? I don't even. I can't even remember what happened after that. Oh my gosh. Wow, that is savage. Like, oh my god. It was evil. <laughs> Girl, that's so funny. See, the webkin screen is real. It is. I mean, yeah. some of those things are really expensive. You get like, so hooked on it, too. Yeah, remember when, <laughs> like, you could be a premium penguin? Yeah. Premium I See, it's I no like, fun if you're not a member. Like, that's the thing. A and member. Like, that was Yeah, and so my parents would literally pay for it. And, like... Like, they were like, oh, yeah. We, like, I remember thinking it was, like, so much money for them, too. And I, I actually don't think it was, like, insane. But, I mean, it's ridiculous to pay, like, however much every month so that I can go play Club Penguin and, like, buy stupid things that aren't real. It's literally, it's psychologically manipulative. They know yeah. these little oh, kids they are know it. go to school and be like, are you a premium member? They're literally, because you literally can't do anything. on Like, you can't buy anything and, like... They yeah. make it not as fun. So obviously you want to be cool. And then you see all these other penguins who have all this stuff. And you're like, well... Genius. Yeah. I want that as marketing. Yeah, exactly. They knew all these little kids were going to go to their parents and annoy and bug them and annoy them. And they would be like... 100%. And they I all agree. Your virtual penguin game. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had extra things where you can buy... Like, I literally was cleaning out my room and I had, like, you know the sensei they have on Club Penguin? Where you can become a little oh, yeah. ninja. Oh, yeah. And they have the sensei. Oh, well, I bought a stuffed sensei, like a little penguin, like a stuffed animal. And when Did you it get, like yeah, it comes with a little code. And you type in the code, and then it gives you stuff, like, like coins or clothes or something. And I, like, had two of those. I had that and then another penguin. And I also bought a Club Penguin Wii video game, which also came with a code. And I was just like literally buying all this stupid stuff that I would never use just so I could get these codes to make my penguin life better. <laughs> like it's ridiculous the stuff we got. Wait, did you ever did you ever play the game though? Like on the Wii? No, never. I think maybe once. And I thought it was stupid because it was. And <laughs> we literally just found it the other day and I was like, I literally am not like probably only played it once in my life. So which all waste, but I had to I do it. I had Nintendo. To do. I had the Nintendo game. Oh my gosh. And I think it was, so you know when you go to the various locations, you can play a game, like in the nightclub. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was like the ice fishing game. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the when you went in the coal mines. Yeah, the mine You rode on thing. the cart. And it was just a few other games. Wow. On the Nintendo, I think. No, yeah. It was wild. I, I, I'm still shocked thinking about my childhood. Like, that's all I did. Well, whichever kid you were, it should be interesting for all of us to see what kind of toys will arise in the future and what they will be like to be played with. Um, so up next, uh, Caroline is going to be talking about some uh, some cool movies. Yeah, so something that I think is really interesting is sort of the amount of coming-of-age movies that have been released pretty recently, I guess. With within like the past few years, we've seen like the release of Lady Ladybird, Booksmart, Eighth Grade, Call Me by Your Name, just to name a few. But of course, um, there have been several more that were released a while before that. So I'm wondering if you guys have any favorite coming of age movies in particular that just like come to the top of your head. 
Well, first for me, probably Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. Um, I remember reading the book um, in the eighth grade and the movie actually came out like the same year. So like right after I finished the book, like I saw the movie and I like compared the two, but like I think they both hold like a special place in my heart, like separately because they are a little bit different. Um, I also really like the actors like in that oh my movie gosh, yeah. Uh, Emma Watson, that Logan guy, <laughs> Logan like, Lerner, and then the Ezra guy. Like, I'm really bad at last names, no, but uh, that was a good movie. And then I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a movie called Dope um, okay. about this like African American kid, and like he's really smart and Harvard bound, but um, for some reason he like goes to a party. And um, a drug dealer like puts like actual like drugs in his bags, so he like sell them in a way. It- it's supposed to be like a comedy, um, and it's really funny. But um, I used to love that, and ASAP Rocky's in it too. So oh my gosh, significantly better. I love that. How about you, Casey? So I liked that you had Lady Bird on the list. Um, mm-hmm. That was one that I watched recently, um, like a few months back, and I think they just put it on Netflix actually. Yeah, they um, did. I thought I got such a kick out of Lady Bird because it was so realistic. So realistic. I definitely was this person too, but how many girls did you know when you were 17 that were like, I'm going to go to NYU? Literally. Like, that was me. It was such the, yeah, it was me too. It was all of us. And I thought it was when she gets there, she realizes that it wasn't all it was cracked up to be and just because she's in a different place doesn't mean that she's a different person Mm -hmm. so I really like that message I thought that was cool and I think that I kind of learned something from that um I thought the relationship uh with the family too was something that was really realistic um I kind of liked that the relationship with her mom wasn't so perfect because I feel like in movies either the relationship with the parents is really good or really bad or they're not there at all right um and it was just so normal and it made me feel so normal because i felt like i could relate to her a lot um so i I like that one and i liked uh, i thought i got the same um vibe of that from eighth grade i thought eighth grade was so good um so funny um and then i saw you put hot summer nights on the list which (laughs) wasn't one that's as realistic but it's such a beautiful i love that movie that movie's so i love watching it's it it's so pretty it yeah. is um no i agree ladybird is probably definitely like on the top of my list for coming age movies and just like movies in general actually because i just remember watching it and being like wow like i really just related to that and um everything just felt so real and Saoirse Ronan was incredible in that movie I mean everyone was but especially her um and I just it was so good and I just loved everything about it really and I also loved 8th grade I thought it was so cute and so good um and I the acting was really good as well um I also really like book smart um it was so funny um I saw, I remember seeing it in theaters with one of my friends and we just were laughing the whole time. It was so funny. Um, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is yeah, amazing. Soundtrack That's what amazing. else I was going to say. Um, yeah, I really loved that one as well. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Call Me By Your Name as well. That that movie was 
stunning aesthetically and acting so of course was great yeah about call me by your name if you don't mind if i yeah go it. ahead so i couldn't find this on any film website but i swear it's true in the next time you watch call me by your name you have to pay attention to the colors the color red and the color blue okay every time something happens important with elio and oliver a blue car or a blue moped or a blue bus goes by when they go on their vacate on their little vacation together they go on a bright blue bus so i started thinking okay Oliver gives Elio a bl- his blue shirt. And I yeah. thought, okay, the color blue has to be symbolic of something. I started to realize that every time um, that he had a scene where he was kind of finding his sexuality, right? there were intense blue tones he, or he was wearing blue. And then when he was being straight and he was going out with girls, he wore red. The girl, I forget her name, the girl that he goes out with for a bit, she wears a red, she wears these, this pair of bright red um, Converse and she has a bright red bathing suit. And when there's scenes where he seems to be confused, um, he wears like a blue and red striped shirt. So I seriously am convinced that um, the colors red and blue represent like the different sides of, um, sexuality that he's interesting trying to figure That's out very interesting point. i have never noticed there's that. a scene where he is on a bed and he's he rolls over on the left side of the bed there's a red shirt hanging over and on the right side is a blue shirt interesting and they literally roll over to the right side where the blue shirt is whoa is so cool. i like, did not notice yeah. that so i'm i'm convinced i was watching the movie with my friends and the first thing I noticed was the cars, and they're like, oh my god, Casey, shut up. Like, it's a movie. <laughs> um, they have colors in the movie. And then towards the end, everyone was like, okay, you were totally Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe you're right. I need to write something about this where I go in and dissect all you of should. it. But seriously, yeah, pay definitely. attention to the wardrobe choices of red and blue the next time you watch I love it. that. And you'll yeah. find it. You'll see it. It's there. I mean, okay, the same said for, like, Moonlight, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting how you brought up, like, the whole blue aspect of, like, the sexuality because Moonlight actually does the same thing. Um, like, at the beginning of the movie, there's, like, some quote that, like, a main character says about, like, black boys, like, radiate blue in the moonlight. Mm-hmm. And every single time the main character is, like, out, like, hanging out, like, with his, like, his, like, quote-unquote boyfriend like they're always like illuminated by blue and that's how like they end the movie too just like blue everywhere oh wow yeah interesting i did not know that wow you guys are like queens of analyzing i'm gonna definitely look that up uh look out for all that that's so cool um another one i really loved was perks of being a wallflower like you said jill i actually just watched that like two months ago i think for the first time i don't even remember and I was just blown away. It, everything about it was so good. The acting was fantastic and just, I was entertained the whole time. And um, that's another one that I think is really well done. Um, what are some movies, like coming of age movies that are your least favorite that you can think of? 
very good. Yeah, there's been some that are like, I don't know if I'd really call them coming of age movies, but like, like if you, like on Netflix, remember The Kissing Booth? I don't know if you guys watched that. The Kissing Booth. I've heard of it. That is like probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'm sorry. Like, anything with Noah, um, Sentinel, like to, to all the Sentinel. Oh my god, <laughs> I did that not. Was so bad. Everybody loved it, and then I was just like, no, like, no. Um, <laughs> that one was not. Oh. It was no. <laughs> I don't know. I just he's so weird. Um, going off of like the Netflix thing, like this isn't really a coming of age movie, but like Tall Girl was a trope. It just was like, I watched, like, I think I went halfway through and I was just like, yeah, no, I can't. I can't do this. There I'm was sorry. a scene in Tall Girl where they were, so her and like the Swedish boy were in the back room of the school with a piano and like they're singing a song from Cats and it was supposed to be romantic. And the guy is like, oh my God, you like Cats too? And she's like, it's my favorite musical. I was like, Oh my god! Like, how is this not satirical? Wait, like it? They were serious? Yes. <gasps> like that was their bonding romantic thing that they both liked cats. That's the musical. Wild. <laughs> that is a joke. Like <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, some of those movies, like the Netflix ones, are just not not it. Um, uh, did you see Sierra Burgess is a loser? Oh my god, I did see that. Okay, I watched that last year. Oh my god, you're right. With my roommate. I did not um, like that one. No. That was not good. There were some problematic things with that as well. I thought um, so too. Yeah. And it just was no. Um, I also... Um, did you guys see Love, Simon ever? I... No. I really I, like I Love, Simon. I really wanted to see, but... It was, I thought it was really funny, and there was, like, a problematic part for me with, like, at the end, the way the, like, not, like, problematic with the movie, but, like, the the characters, like, I was really upset with, like, the way that his friends treated him, like, at the end of the movie, and that just bothered me, and that's sort of, like, a common thing I think people who watch the movie agree on, um, but other than that, I thought it was really good. Um, I think those are, like, the main ones, but... I really like the, um... So, I guess, recently, in film, there's been a lot of good coming-of-age movies, but I think before now, um, the golden age for coming-of-age, um, was definitely late or mid-1980s. Um, did you ever watch right. Kimberly Wade or, like, um, the ones like that I liked? Yeah, those are good, I think. I agree, like, sort of some of the older ones or, like, even, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off could be considered one. Oh, yeah. Or, like, The Breakfast like, all Club. The movies, yeah. yeah. stuff like that. Um, those are iconic because it's just so funny seeing how different sort of life was um, for people who are our age. And I think it's just interesting to see, like, the differences there um, between, like, the more modern movies, I guess. Um, but what's something that... No, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna add, like, stuff in the future, too. And, like, seeing, like, how, like, the different plot lines are gonna change. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm excited to see that. And I'm curious what, 
um, sort of makes a good coming of age movie to you? Is it sort of how realistic it is, or is it more about the characters and how good the acting is, or sort of what makes it good for you? There needs to be um, symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be metaphor used through scenery, through color, through lighting. Because I think something about coming-of-age movies, a really big facet of them is that you can dissect them. And everything, the good ones, everything has more meaning than at face value. Like Moonlight or um, Call Me By Your Name. Um, So I think when they set the scene kind of in a way that kind of reflects the protagonist, it kind of puts you in their shoes almost where you become part of their world, if that makes sense. I agree. I think symbolism is a big part of it, and being able to, when you look into it and dissect those movies, you see that there's some type of deeper meaning, um, I think makes the movies a lot better. Um, I think for me, I do want part of it, you know, the movie to sort of be more realistic. Not, I know that a lot of them aren't, so, like, not... I know not everything's going to be realistic, but somewhere where I feel like I can relate to it, you know, and like as a, like as a, well, I guess I'm not a teenager anymore, but I guess as a young person, um, being able to see sort of myself in some of those characters, even if the whole thing isn't exactly realistic, um, I think that helps a lot. That's when I walk away from a movie being like, wow, that was really good. Or like, I really felt like I could relate to that. Like they got it right kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I definitely say like realistic aspects are like very important, um, but also like the cinematography as well. Like going after like the symbols and like the different places like the characters like go to. I also like a little angst too. Yeah, hundred percent. Just because it's something that like I could relate to, like if I were like a teenager or something. I agree. That's, you can't like skip over that. That's like a huge part. I think every teenager has like you know, that little bit of teenage angst and you know what? I think that's yeah. important. I'm not 20 for eight more days. <laughs> I'm still an AC teen. <laughs> okay, good. You need to, you need to literally just take advantage of that and be extra angsty this week because oh, yeah. you'll just be an angsty 20 year old and it, that's I'm going to milk same. it out. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Um, but yeah, overall, I do. I think coming of age movies are really interesting, and I, I'm interested to see how they're going to sort of develop in the future based on just like world events and things that have been happening. Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, that's going to complete today's episode of What's the Buzz. You can check out our music picks from today's episode on our Spotify at BuzzMagCU. We also launch social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BuzzPodcastCU, so be sure to follow us there. And all this stuff will be listed in the episode notes as well. And we'll come back uh, with more Buzz content next week. Until then, stay calm and buzz on.